this one into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to turn for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. Out of RBI, hit by Mitchie Poole. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. Oh! The 0-2 What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm your host, Ty Dobbert. We're coming at you. It'll be the last episode of this podcast before the MLB trade deadline. Things are heating up across the league. Teams are making trades. Teams are discussing trades. There's some big names reportedly on the market. So it looks like it's going to get interesting. The Phillies... They had a trade until they didn't on Tuesday. We'll get into that on this episode today. I'm joined by Nathan Ackerman of Phillies Nation. Nathan, how are you doing? Um, You ready to get into the trade talks? One of the most fun times of the year. Yeah, I'm very ready. Thanks for having me on. You know, I had this weird feeling that we're going to record this podcast and finish up. And then like tonight, they're going to make all the moves they're going to make at the deadline just hours after we're done. So we'll see, but yeah, we, we I'm, will I'm, see. I'm doing well. So tentatively it's the last episode before the trade deadline. I, uh, a little behind the scenes here, I'm going on vacation. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. I'm going on vacation tomorrow. If there are any blockbusters, I'll have the mic with me. We might have to do a bonus episode depending on what kind of deals go down. If not, We'll talk about this after the deadline, but why don't, why don't we get into what happened on Tuesday, the trade into the not trade. The Phillies, uh, they reportedly, according to John Heyman, they traded for Tyler Anderson from the Pirates. They, they, they traded for him. Uh, a lot of people reporting on it. The, the, it was said two, two prospects um, in, in the low minors for Tyler Anderson, left-handed starting pitcher, has gone five innings in every single one of his starts this year. Uh, They could use that kind of length. They haven't been getting it. And it looked like, oh, the Phillies just boosted their starting rotation. Until they didn't, because then another report came out from John Heyman. Um, They hit a snag, is what he had said. Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic, he reports there is an issue with the medicals of one of the prospects that the Phillies were to send. And... Then it, the deal was dead. That <laughs> pretty much that, as the night went on, the deal the deal did not go through. And then uh, later at night, Jeff Passan of ESPN he reports that Anderson he's going to the Mariners, who had just traded their closer. Their team wasn't very happy about it, so they added a starting pitcher to the Mariners. Uh, kind of a kind of a wild. Uh, kind of wild day there. The, the Phillies, there was rumors about a, a Richard Rod- Rodriguez deal, a different a, a closer with the Pirates. Uh, Jim Salisbury of NBC Sports Philly had mentioned that the Pirates uh, were talking about Rafael Marchand, the, the Phillies catching prospect, as a player who could be in that. Um, yeah, just a lot going on. I know that was a lot. I kind of a, had to ramble there. But, Nathan, just what, is, what do you have to say about – the idea of going after Anderson, how he would have fit on the Phillies and that trade ultimately not happening. Yeah. Look, I mean, I think it would have been a really solid deal. I don't think it should have been anything near the biggest splash that they made at the deadline, but 
you know, I've, I've never been a fan of the innings eater role. Matt Moore, Chase Anderson were not great signings. I think we're starting to see that um, <laughs> more and more every single day. But the thing is about Tyler Anderson, he eats effective ones. He goes, he's, he's gone five innings, like you said, in all 18 of his starts this year. I think if you take out one start where he gave up nine earned runs against the Braves, he has like a 376 ERA on the season, which is more than serviceable, more than what the Phillies are looking for in the four and five spots. And, you know, perhaps just as important as getting him into the, you know, staff is taking a guy like, I don't know, Vince Velasquez or Matt Moore out because they just have not been doing the job. They've each had their, you know, bright spots at certain points this season, but I think it's safe to say those bright spots are not, are not happening now. So I think it would have been a great move. I, like I said, I don't think it should have been their only move for the, even for the back end of the staff. I think they could definitely use more help. Um, I'm, I'm all aboard the signing Cole Hamels trade, but we can get into that later if you want. Um, I, I was a little confused with how that trade, uh, well, didn't go down because it wasn't like the medical issue was popping up with the centerpiece of the trade. It wasn't like there was a problem with Tyler Anderson himself. I don't, I mean, you you were talking about two, you know, decent prospects, but it wasn't Mick Abel. It wasn't Bryson Stodd. It wasn't even, you know, Jalen Ortiz, that kind of thing. I mean, couldn't they have just replaced him with another lower level prospect that the Pirates also liked? It didn't seem like that was going to be something that, you know, just completely thwarted the trade. I was surprised that even after that popped up, it didn't end up happening with somebody else. Yeah, it was it was it was Christian Hernandez and Abraham Gutierrez, two low level minor leaguers in the Philly system, a catcher and a pitcher. Um, but yeah, there was a problem with one of their medicals and I don't know, part of me wants to think that maybe they did find that issue and then they, as, as that issue popped up, then they got a, a, an offer they liked more. And then it was like, instead of, instead of replacing it, um, they didn't just like the other prospects as much as maybe from the Mariners who they ended up making a deal with, but that that's what probably happened I don't know it's always weird and it's tough to tell because you don't know exactly what that issue was obviously yeah. uh neither of those players like had anything huge pop up this year injury wise that you would think of that just probably a minor thing that threw a lot of things off but but like you said yeah the, the innings eater thing um Chase Anderson and Matt Moore I guess were signed to be innings eaters but um They've done almost anything but eat innings. Like they don't, yeah. they they do not go deep into games. Uh, so it would it would have been nice for the Phillies to get Tyler Anderson, an innings eater that would actually eat the innings and and do it well. Like you said, he's been really effective this year. Um, that that's the kind of pitcher they're gonna need to go after. He he's off the market. There's not a million starting pitchers out there on the market. You mentioned Hamels as a as a free agent. I don't know if he's exactly ready to step in to the starting rotation in the majors right now if you see yeah, him today. Wouldn't. But it, you see some of these performances, including including Tuesday from Matt Moore, and it, it does make you think Cole Hamels, he might be washed. He's probably washed, but is he more washed than Matt Moore? That those are the those are the questions that you have to consider. Because the Phillies, they're in a tight division race with a lot of bad pit, starting pitching performances going on, where even just the marginal upgrades could really help them. And and they're going to try to make the marginal upgrades, I think. They're probably going to go beyond that here at the trade deadline as well. But Tyler Anderson probably would have been a little bit more than a marginal upgrade 
it's not going to happen. Just a very, very odd, very odd day. I can't really think of something like that going down um, in in baseball that recently. I, it happens from time to time, but I can't think of an example. I guess maybe when the reports were that uh, was a Michael Brantley this offseason, he was a, a Blue Jay until he wasn't. That was kind of last thing, but. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They're going to need starting pitching help. Uh, we mentioned, or I mentioned Tuesday's game. We can get into that. Matt Moore, just uh, not very effective. Yeah. Just, I mean, it's just something that they can't. I get that they're not expecting him to go out and go seven innings, one run every single time, but I don't think you can be a legitimate playoff contender and keep on trotting out Vince Velasquez and Matt Moore every five days, right? And Beyond them, the starting staff is just nowhere near what you would expect from a team that, you know, is trying to sell itself on having a chance to make the playoffs. Beyond Wheeler, Aaron Nola, he had a dominant 8.2 innings, one run uh, the other day against the Braves. That was a huge performance and a great sign moving forward. But, you know, he's had these starts at points throughout the season, and then it just goes back to the old, or I guess the new 2021 Nola, which is a lot of, you know, shakiness, inconsistency, location issues, all that. Um, Zach Eflin's been 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 shaky pretty much all season. And it seems like even he's trending in the wrong way. So and he's hurt. And he's hurt, right? Exactly. So and then you know Spencer Howard looks like you know insert Hall of Fame pitcher here for two innings and then just you know it blows up in your face. So um, yeah, I'm I'm sort of at the point where I don't really support the team making any sort of splash, whether that's for a Craig Kimbrell or a Chris Bryant or a Trevor Story or a Byron Buxton. I guess that one's a little bit different because they have him in 2022 also. But I don't I don't really think it'd be smart for this team to make any big splash unless they upgrade the starting rotation first. And you talked about Richard Rodriguez too. I, I want to just touch on that briefly. I'm sort of out on the Marchand for Rodriguez talks. He seems like a guy who was dominant at the start of the season and then when the whole sticky stuff thing cracked down um, began he saw massive drop off in spin rates and numbers all across the board so I don't really know if that's the kind of upgrade that a player with value like Rafael Marchand should really be getting you I think there's some value in there he obviously you know his bat needs some work but his his defense alone behind the plate is you know, I think it would be a, I think it'd be exciting to a contending team too. So I think that there's, you know, they 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 need to be looking for a lot more if they're going to make that kind of deal. Yeah, Marshawn, if it's Marshawn for Rodriguez and Anderson, I think that's a different story. But but straight yeah. up for a reliever, um, Marshawn's definitely a good prospect. He's only 22 years old. He has major league experience. He's really good behind the plate. Um, does have like no power at at this point, but he can put the bat on the ball. So. You know, there's a he's not the perfect catcher. He's not Adley Rushman. He's not a, you know, some of these other. He's not Joey Bart, but he's a he's a good catching prospect, and those have value. The Phillies have quite a few of those, and with Rio Muto there, um, I Marshawn does become a, a likely trade candidate. And I think as the deadline approaches, they can see like what kind of deal they can they can get for him. I I. There's a story coming out from me um, at Phillies Nation kind of about his situation while we while we talk about Marshawn. He was talked about in trades. Like I said, Jim Salisbury reported that. And then by the end of the day, he wasn't traded and he was also demoted from AAA to AA. Um, maybe it was a just to speculate here. This is pure speculation. Maybe it was a, 
you know, maybe there's opposing scouts in Reading. Maybe they wanted him closer to Philadelphia with Reading being at home and Lehigh Valley being on the road. I'm not really sure. Um, I did talk to Reading's manager. He wasn't really sure how long he would have Marshawn. So it's just kind of, you have to wait and see. Who knows? Could he be in Reading for the rest of the season? It's not even a lock. He's in the Phillies organization at the end of the season. So who knows? Yeah, I think there's also, <clears throat> I'm not totally convinced that they absolutely have to trade him either. I think if they're serious about contending this year, there's some value for him on the big league roster too. I mean, it, Andrew Knapp is just not getting the job done. He's got a 159, 222, 234 slash line this year. That is, um, doing the math there, that's a 456 OPS, and it's just not great. I think that could actually be <clears throat> a guy who could maybe even provide some some value to a contending team. He calls a great game. He's a good clubhouse presence. I think if, if you know, that's – there's definitely some significance in that too. You're obviously not going to get a huge piece back, but I think if you want to make a fringe move for a sort of I, – I don't know the type of player that they would get for it, for Andrew Knapp. I mean, the bat has just been, you know, so unpro unproductive this season that they probably wouldn't be able to get anything of serious value back. But the, I, the, I think – The thing with – the thing there, you, you mentioned if you move Knapp, you can move Marshawn up to the big league club. Um, but you mentioned – Nap struggles at the plate this season you know they had him up in a big spot in the eighth inning on Tuesday looked like for a second maybe he got that ball out and he was uh going to be able to play hero you know as the Phillies walked it off the night before with Andrew McCutcheon it looked like Nap maybe got the job done he flew out to the warning track uh, but yeah he struggled a lot at the at the plate this season but Marshawn has uh two extra base hits on now three extra base hits on the minor league season. He doubled in double in for double A last night, but in triple A he had uh, two doubles and no homers and no triples. So you're not calling him up. If you're calling up a catcher uh, to be an offensive upgrade over Nap, I don't think it can be Rafael Marchand. But um, yeah, but you're, you're not you're not you're not really getting much from Nap behind the plate either. I think if if they were to call him up, it'd be a defensive replacement kind of deal because. You know, Knapp hasn't been good at either. I mean, if we're speaking objectively this season, he, uh, I, I, he, he I think Marshawn would be a better option. He does. He calls a good game, and the pitchers like working with Knapp. Um, calling up Marshawn would be fine. I think the real upgrade there, but the issue is you're never, you're not really replacing Rio Mito defensively very often. So yeah. that's a, that's the thing with that. I do think at this deadline, an underrated thing they could do is upgrade offensively at backup catcher somebody who can pinch hit a little better i don't yeah. know who that name would be um think not exactly the wilson ramos situation because you know jorge alfaro was good in 2018 but you're not going to be playing ramos as much you're not going to be playing this catcher as much as they did ramos in 2018 but that offensive minded catcher i think could i think that that could help this team because like you said, there's they have three catchers on the 40 man right now, and two of them cannot hit this year. And that's not not the catchers really hit in general, but they could definitely use an, an offensive upgrade there. There's this team, there are just a, a lot of spots, and I guess you could you could pick apart every single team, but there are just a lot of spots on this team that <laughs> you feel like could use some help. Yeah, but again, coming back to it, I mean they can they can upgrade the offense, they can upgrade the bullpen. 
I don't think anything is really going to move the needle as far as this season goes, unless they upgrade the starting staff. Too. And that, that, that doesn't mean trading for Max Scherzer, right? Um, it doesn't mean going all in on a player of that, of that caliber. It means maybe a Merrill Kelly move, maybe a, a Merrill Kelly move paired, paired with a Cole Hamels signing. I mean, obviously they wouldn't turn into, you know, like a starting staff that's going to rival the Brewers or anything like that. But it's just those sort of moves around the edges where you can have guys that can give you not only innings, but somewhat effective ones um, just to sort of save the bullpen every few days and give them a chance to win. That was what Tyler Anderson was. He was a guy that, like I said, he's not, he's not going to dominate, but you know, he's pretty much always going to give them a chance to win. I think those are the kinds of moves that can really help this team can really help this team. And I think um, until they do that, unless they do that, they shouldn't go in. They, 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 they shouldn't be trading anybody in the minor leagues of any sort of, you know, reasonable value whatsoever, unless they're going to do that first. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, the only other thing I can, I can think of with this starting rotation is, do you consider moving Bailey Falter to the rotation here? Ranger Suarez has been discussed, but until, until you get another reliever, I don't think you can move him from closer because he has been yeah. so effective as a reliever since they moved him there in 2019 um i think he'd be fine as a starter but it does really it really plays up as a reliever um yeah moving yeah, Falter, i would say moving falter to the rotation and adding maybe like a, a michael pineda or something like that i think that really assuming that that Eflin gets healthy i think that changes the outlook of this team like a like a lot yeah i would say the only thing with moving falter to the rotation is i kind of felt this way about suarez earlier in the season when he had that you know 21 and a third scoreless innings to start the season or whatever it's like he's been so good in that kind of swiss army knife bullpen role where he can come in for one inning he can come in for four he can come in you know early he can come in late and he pretty much always is getting the job done that you don't really want to mess with it i i get that they don't really have many options in the starting staff right now it's like i don't know beggars can't be choosers in a sense but um, I think I think they should look elsewhere first, and if it absolutely comes to that, I think they should be open to it. Um, but I think sort of keeping him in that in that bullpen role whenever he gets back from COVID for the second time now, which is, you know, entirely different conversation. But I, I I like the role that he's been in recently. I think if they don't have any other options, they should consider moving him to the staff. But I don't think that should be, you know, sort of their remedy if that makes sense. Just my only counter to that is, is Suarez mostly has worked as a reliever, um, you know, working up to this year. And he's just he's just been a reliever. Uh, Falter did start this season in Lehigh Valley as a starter and was really yeah. good. Not that Lehigh Valley is the majors, but he has shown some success as a starter, too. So I think there would be there. I think that would translate to to a certain extent. But, yeah, that's definitely definitely fair. I think I think. Uh, trying to find somebody in a trade is, that has proven that they're like more of a, a sure thing in the rotation is probably the the best bet, whether it's yeah. the the Kelly or the Pineda or any other move you make. Like yeah, the starting rotation at this point is very 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 crucial for them. That that's where yeah. definitely where they have to improve. But moving on from the starting rotation, there are some other spots that they can improve. Um, you know, the, the bullpen, we mentioned Rodriguez, some rumblings that they've been in on Kimbrel. Um, I, I do think they probably add at least one reliever, whether it is somebody that has had as much success this year as those two names I just mentioned, or it's somebody more in the fringes. I, I just think they'll try to find somebody to, to shore that up. Um, 
But then, you know, looking around, I don't know how they helping this offense, like the starting lineup. Herrera hasn't been great. I guess you could, I guess you could still look for a center fielder. But other than that, I mean, I don't know what you do. DJ Gregorius has been pretty bad in general and especially on defense as of late and not just as of late, but this whole season. Um, and Alec Bohm has struggled this year. Do you consider, you know, the names out there, Chris Bryant, some other players, is there any chance you consider going after a third baseman and you play a lot of Ronald Torres at shortstop? I don't know what you do then, or do you look for a shortstop? You look for a shortstop and you play DD at third base and you do whatever with Bohm. It just seems like maybe that half a season and both of them have missed time, Bohm and Gregorius, Maybe the, the half a season struggle has been an overreaction, but both of them have struggled on offense comparatively to last year. And both of them are probably two of the worst defenders at their position right now. So playing both of them right now when they're struggling on, on offense, it's really not helping the team. And it's why you're seeing a, a lot of Ronald Torres, who surprisingly has been like a super crucial member of this team I don't know if you could have predicted that coming into the season yeah I would say between Didi and Boehm I would say Boehm has looked at least better recently I think that if there's if there's one sort of odd man if, if you don't go out and make a move and there's one sort of odd man out there I think it's playing Therese over Didi at short more not even as a platoon I mean giving Therese pretty much the everyday role because He's been awesome this year on offense, on defense. He's been clutch. He's been doing everything. And that also kind of, if you keep Bohm at third, um, putting Therese at short kind of shores up that side of the infield too. It might, might help out the defensive picture overall there. So um, I think their their strategy with Bohm this season has been kind of stick with him and let him fail and let him figure it out in the, in the you know, with the, with the um, like not in the minors. So, I, and that, that strategy has seemed to, I don't know, work more and more as the season goes on. He's starting to look a little better and a little better. I think, you know, he definitely wants to be hitting for more power, but if this is the bone that that you're going to get for the rest of the season, I think it's one that you can live with um, and then sort of let him figure it out in the off season or whatever. But um, I think, I think sticking with Bohm at third for at least the short term, the rest of the year is probably the move that I would make. And then just playing Trace more at short, I think would be good. Uh, center field yeah they don't have a ton of options there I don't I didn't really understand the Mickey Moniak situation earlier this week where he was on fire in the minor leagues they called him up had him sit for like three or four days and then set him back down I mean that it didn't seem like that was good for the team or his development or any of that so I don't really I mean maybe they don't view him as a center fielder like Girardi was saying earlier in the season anyway which is also weird but yeah, I think I think a lot of the reinforcements for this team on the offensive side are going to come from within, and guys just naturally getting better. Uh, Didi, you were, you were talking about his about his defense too. It, it's just, he's really not offering much right now. He was, you know, there were some questionable plays early in the in the in the ball game with the the um, ground ball that Trey Turner hit in the first, and then the pop up that Victor Robles hit in the second. Both of those led to three run homers. I'm not going to blame that on Didi on you know on him because Matt Moore ultimately conceded them but it's those just play, those not... plays also do like really change the game they do when you have totally. when you have a bad pitcher on the mound you can't afford to yeah allow extra base runners 100 and that's what they've been doing too much of this year and you know 
too often he's been one of the guys contributing to that. So I think I I want to see them play Therese more. I, I don't understand why there have been a few days where they'll be like facing a lefty and Didi will play and then facing a righty the next day and they'll play Therese. And it's just like, what's the logic behind that there? So I don't really know the strategy with them. I thought Therese was a Girardi guy, but I guess Didi also is too. So that that's kind of been perplexing to me, but I think playing Therese more is going to be, um, a, well, it, it seems like the obvious move right now. Who would, who actually would have thought that Ronald Torres would be the one to save the Phillies? Certainly yeah, not me. A lot of people. Yeah. No, because when they, they got him last year, it was like it, he wasn't even on the roster to start the year. And then yeah. a lot of people questioned him making the roster this year. Probably, I think me included, because before this year, he has never really performed like this, but he's been, he's been incredible to say the absolute least. He's been, He's been really, really good and an important part of this of this team. I, I remember a while ago, um, Johnny Heller and I did a, an episode of this of this podcast where we kind of talked about like, will the Phillies ever hit on one of these kind of minor league signings or like low level signings in in invite to spring training guys? And um, you know, maybe you thought it would be Brandon Kinsler who hasn't been great or somebody like that, Tony Watson who they didn't keep. But no, it's been Ronald Torres. He's been, like, like I said, a really important part of this team. So I don't know. Just trade line impending, like we said. Trade deadline, excuse me, uh, impending. What do you think, if you had to make a prediction, how, how many deals, in what range, how many deals are they making? What kind of deals are they Are, are they landing a blockbuster deal? Like, what do you, what do you think is going on here ahead of Friday? I think it's going to be a lot of fringe moves. I don't think there's a Bryant or a Kimbrell or a Buxton or a Story or a, well, there's definitely not a Scherzer coming, but I think it, I think it'll be a lot of Merrill Kelly type moves. I think maybe they do that kind of thing for him and the staff, maybe a Richard Rodriguez in the pen. Maybe they had a bench bat. I don't know who exactly that would be. Um, I, I think there's a lot of deals to be made three to four, three to five, maybe. Um, but I, I just don't know. I, and I think, I don't know where I stand on the whole luxury tax thing. I guess if you're, if you're, if you're willing to pay the tax and you're willing to go all in, but you know, I think even though they've been hesitant to do that in recent years, I think they're more willing to do that than they are to part with guys like Mick Abel or guys like Bryson Stott for a team that, I mean, let's be completely honest. If they go to the playoffs, they'd probably get swept in the first round or something like that. And, you know, there's, there's definitely some value to just going there for the first time in 10 years, but I don't, I don't, I don't think, this team, which has seemingly been allergic to going on a run or, you know, staying hot, they've been 500 at 20 different points this season, including right now as we speak. So I, I don't think this is the group that they want to push all their chips in with. Um, I think they might end up paying the tax, but I, I don't I don't see any sort of huge move. I don't see a Brian, I don't see a Kimbrell coming. I don't know if I see a huge move coming, but if this isn't the group to push all your chips in for, like, who is because this is yeah, kind of the group you're, you're right. stuck with for the next few years. Guys are under contract. They're expensive. I mean, Didi only has one more year left. Maybe he gets moved. I guess Segura could be moved, but he's been one of their better players this year. Um, and I imagine they'd want him back next year. Like, and obviously Kutch is expiring, but for the most part, like 
Harper, Real Muto, Wheeler, Nola, like that kind of that kind of core. They're they're the guys you got. So if you're not no, if you're not going all in on them, I I don't know I don't know what you're waiting around for because it might be uh it might be what ten more years until you're you're building around some other core until you know yeah. the the long contracts are up. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think they should be a little more aggressive. I, I don't think that means trading Abel, and I think it means only trading Stott if you get a really good return. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and maybe there's some of the whole, why is Dave, why is Dave Dombrowski here if he's not going to, you know, do something that's going to, I don't know, inject some life into this team, into the fan base, do something big, even if it's not trading one of those top prospects. But so I think you're definitely right. I think that they should. It's just the front office has seemed hard to convince at points this season and or really for the last few seasons in Middleton, especially because he's the only one there that's been, you know, here for more than this year, pretty much. But I don't know. I don't I don't see it happening. I think if it if it does, it'll be sort of the kind of thing where, you know, you're excited because they just got if it's Bryant or Kimbrell, you know, it's definitely exciting to add that to your team. But in the long run, is it smart to give up? you know, start able for those kind of guys, especially rentals. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know either, but I, I, what I do know is that, like you said, this would getting some kind of trade like that to pull off um, a more blockbuster kind of trade for the first, when was the last time they pulled off a blockbuster kind of trade Pence where they, they got yeah. a blockbuster deal that, that would, yeah, it's not the, it's not the 2011 Phillies. These, Phillies are certainly not that, but it would bring some excitement. I know Harper and the rest of the players would really like it. That would excite them. Maybe it helps you build some momentum if you're the Phillies. I, I don't know what the right answer is because there isn't always one when uh, the team has as many holes as it does, but it's still a talented team and they're going to have to have to add to it. There's no people every time they lose going on Twitter saying, oh, they got to sell. They're not selling. There's no use in selling because they they're not playing for a year or two away. They 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 just have to go with what they have because it's kind of what they're what they're stuck with at this point. So we'll have to see how it's going. Do you have you have anything else to add? And any any last thoughts on yeah. this team? I mean, as far as the people that say sell sell the team, sell everybody every time they lose, I wonder how they would actually feel if the team said, okay, we're trading Reese Hoskins, we're trading Aaron Nola. Some people have even said trade Wheeler for a giant package. I, I, I don't think people would be excited by that, even the people that want them to sell. But, you know, I, I, as crazy as it may sound, because they're 50 and 50, and they're, you know, like I said, allergic to getting hot, and they've been 500 pretty much whenever possible. I like this team's chances. Their second half schedule is really favorable. The Mets are, you know, they're fine, but they have a tough schedule. They're always injured. The Braves lost Acuna. They don't look all that great this year, uh, especially recently. I don't know. I If I had to put my money on one team winning the East, I don't know if it would be the Phillies, but I don't know if it wouldn't either, just because it seems like the way that things have, have lined up, the way that their schedule is, the fact that they're only three and a half games out, the fact that so many things have gone wrong. So many guys are underperforming. They've had their COVID issues. They're going to have more, by the way. And they're still right there, three and a half out. It's it's obviously NL East or bust, but I don't think the NL East is that unlikely for this team to actually win. So I think there's definitely some some value in saying, what the heck, let's make the playoffs for the first time in 10 years. Yeah, they have a shot. And sometimes that's all you need. Yeah, uh, Just look at the 
Look at the 2011 Phillies Cardinals. Like, you just got to sneak in sometimes. You got to get hot at the right times, and you never know what will happen. Um, yeah, that's all All I got on the team there. My my last little thing here, Jared Eikhoff, former Philly. Uh, they they got him in the, in the Cole Hamels deal, of course. He pitched for the Mets on Tuesday. He gave up 10 earned runs in, like, three innings. And – really just gave that game away from the jump for the Mets. So Jared Eikhoff, uh, of course, a Phillies legend, helping out the Phillies, uh, you know, indirectly. That's all I have. Thank you to Nathan for hopping on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you once the Phillies have made some more moves. Thank you. Thank you.